Welcome to First Baptist Goodlettsville. Let me add my welcome to Noah's from earlier. Um, it's a great, great day to be here. It's a, it's a special Christmas Eve. We usually get together on Christmas Eve once. This year we get to do it twice. So we get to do it this morning and tonight. I thank you for most of you will be what I will call double dippers. You're going to come to both. And I thank you for being a double dipper today because um, my guess is there are some that have chosen to take this morning to get other things prepared, right? So let me ask you this question. It's a normal Christmas Eve in Goodlesville, Tennessee. I'm wearing the hottest thing I could wear on a 65 degree day because that's what it is outside, you know. But it's Christmas. you got to wear your green sweater on Christmas and be here and be a part of that. How many of you... Still have some shopping to do. I got, I see some hands. How many of you have spouses that you think still have shopping to do? They're just not going to admit it to you right here. I see that hand at the back, right? All right. So it's, it's Christmas Eve, right? It's all this stuff's kind of going on and it is quite hectic. I don't know about your house, but my house, it's hectic. We, many of you know, we've had a different kind of year, a different kind of December. And so it, compacted a lot of stuff, lots of things happening in and around our house. And at this time of year, it's easy to just forget what it's really all about. And we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. A lot to give praise to God for. And we're going to talk, obviously, about the birth of Christ. And we're going to do that this morning and tonight. Let me tell you something I'm thankful for. I told Susan this week, every year... When extravagant giving rolls around, I just think, well, I don't know. It worked, you know, it worked last year. I don't know. And I, I, I trust the Lord completely, but I just like, really, what, what's going to happen? As of Wednesday of this week, and there's been a, a little bit more come in since, and there'll be some come in this week. You're more than, if you haven't given extravagant giving or offering that goes 100% to missions, you can still give. As of Wednesday this week, our church has given almost $35,000 to extravagant giving. Which just quick math means $17,500 that's going to the International Mission Board directly to missionaries on the field. It means that it'll be split three ways, so almost $6,000 right now going to three other great organizations in the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home and Club 180 and then Disaster Relief, which we saw firsthand the impact that that can make. And I just give praise to God for the faithfulness of you as a church, for our faithfulness to give, and for the impact. Listen, um, I believe that one day we're going to be in glory. I believe You believe that? And I believe that part of what's going to happen in our time there for eternity is we're going to learn about things that God used that we never expected him to use him in the ways that he did. And we're going to see how even that $100 or that $20 or that $1,000 you gave to extravagant giving was used to bring people into the kingdom of God. And I am so thankful that we have a God that is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And I'm trusting him in the midst of that. So thank you for giving. And let's be grateful to God for what he's going to do with all of that. Take your Bibles and we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. That's a good place to start, right? We're going to turn somewhere else in just a moment. But we're going to start there. And we're in the midst of this series that we called All I Want for Christmas. And Over the last few weeks, we've talked about that there may be things that you want under that tree. And if you were 
honest. There are maybe some material things or some maybe some family things or some things that you said, man, if I could get that under tree, that would be great. Even as we grow older, that wish list may change or be different. But there are things that you have, man, if I could just open that, if I could just have that, if I could just get that, Christmas would be great. And we've talked about some big ideas. Hope, and joy, and love. And today, following the traditional Advent countdown, we're talking about the fourth of those. All I want for Christmas is. Look at that story that the Boltons read for us just a few minutes ago from Luke chapter 2. It says, starting in verse 10, But the angel said to them, obviously them is the shepherds, this is the night the birth of Jesus was announced. Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, this idea that the good news of great joy that will be for all people is, first of all, that a Savior was born. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find our baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. By the way, just a kind of side note here for a second. I, I am going to guarantee, now in that moment, they're not thinking through all this because they're just completely um, inundated with the senses around them of the angel appearing and the fear in their life. But I don't think they thought a Savior is here. The next phrase would be, and he's a baby in a manger. Right? That's not the way that they would anticipate the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the one that was going to save them from oppression, would be born in a stable. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Can you imagine that moment? A few years ago, um, uh, through friends, through Jeff Kelly, that was our worship pastor and a friend he had, um, we were able to get back seat passes to the Opry. And we got to go. I literally hung out with Whispering Bill Anderson around a instant coffee uh, maker. Around. How many of you don't know who Bill Anderson is? Well, I'll pray for all of you, all right? Well, we got to have an education. Noah doesn't even know who Bill Anderson is. So uh, Jeannie C. Riley and Bill Anderson, we were sitting around back. No, they weren't the headliners for the night. The headliners for the night were, or the headliner was Carrie Underwood, all right? She didn't come hang out at the instant coffee place, all right? But we're kind of hanging out there and we're talking. And we, part of, if you get to go backstage for a performance, is you get to sit on the pews that are on the back of the stage behind the acts that are performing. And I'll never forget the first time that we did that. We sat down. Then we went out there. I don't even remember who the opening act was, you know. Uh, but they, they're in the opening act, and they're introducing them. And they, you feel like you're on an old-time radio show. Because, welcome to the Opry. And joining us tonight. They do all that. And at the moment that they lifted the curtain, and there is just a wall of people in front of you. It was like mind-blowing just how in a moment you went from nothing to people everywhere. In a small way, I think that reflects a little bit of what happened to the shepherds. One shepherd singing glory to God, and then it says, and in a moment, 
in an instant, suddenly there was a multitude that could not be counted singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. I've heard some great musicians in my life. I've heard some awesome choirs in my life. There has never before or since been a moment with a performance on earth like that one. And when you think about what it says in there, glory to God, first of all, the Son has been born. Glory to God. Glory to our Father. But part of that good news of great joy that the angel multitude announced at the very inception of Jesus being born was that we could have peace. And of all the things I want for Christmas... Hope, joy, love. And I want peace. And biblically, peace is a wholeness, a completeness. In fact, I would make the argument that what is actually being said here is that the salvation that is described by the angel when he appears is explained in the multitude by peace. That what salvation is, is that we are made whole again. That our brokenness is completed. That our cracks are filled. That we are made better than new. And that we are completely whole again. And the promise of Jesus coming is that that peace is accessible to us. That we can live our life with wholeness, a sense of well-being, a sense of no worries, a sense that God is going to take care of it, because it's not just a sense, it is reality that God has made us complete. For those of us that are in Christ Jesus, it is a reality that God is walking with us day and night, and we do not have to worry about anything. It is a reality that God will take care of everything. And yet, I woke up this morning and I saw just a headline scrolling, scrolling through Twitter or X or whatever they call it today. And the headline simply was, I think it was the New York Times, Americans have never been lonelier and it's killing us. Last week I saw a headline, Americans have never been more dissatisfied. Another headline, and this was about the, I don't know if y'all know this or not, we've had this respite of 2023 of no real political ads or anything happening. I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's a presidential election happening next year, which is a joy for all of us to experience. So that Americans have never felt more concerned, according to polls, about the upcoming election than they do right now. And it's not just unbelievers, it's believers. And the question that I ask myself is, why do Christians seem to lack peace? I've been pastoring a church of some sort now for over 20 years. And just in having conversations, I've been pastoring this church for over 16 years. 
And just conversations having with people, I do sense, I do feel that there's more angst now than there was in the past. There's more, there's more worry now than there was in the past. That there's something that is stirring us that is unhealthy in our understanding of wholeness and completeness, completeness and peace. And this week as I was praying through it and thinking through it, the only answer that I could come up with is because peace is promised to us in this scripture, in this coming of the Christ child, it is the first thing that's announced by the multitude that we are to receive because of this. God gets glory and we get peace. The only answer that I felt the Lord kind of giving to me this week is, is we don't have peace because we seek peace outside of God. And you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Ephesians chapter 2. And I just want to tell you real quick before we get there, this is not your traditional Christmas Eve kind of passage. In fact, at some point you're going to go, wow, it's Christmas Eve. Right? We'll get there. Okay, we're going to get to the hope and the joy and the fun. Okay? But to understand how great what Christ did for us is, we have to understand how bad of a position we were in. Ephesians chapter 2 says this in the first three verses. And you, that's those of us that are Christians, that's those of us that are believers, were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. And so here's what I want to say. First of all, the reason a lot of people in our society don't have peace, the reason a lot of people in our society are seeking wisdom in other things, is because they don't have Jesus. And without Jesus, you can't know a peace. There's that, you remember the bumper stickers, no Jesus, no peace, N-O, And then no, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. But the truth is, even as believers, one of the reasons, and we're going to talk about some things in a minute, that we lack the peace that God intends for us is because in the midst of our lives following Christ, we revert back to depending on things that we did before we knew Christ. And when we seek peace outside of Christ, it will maybe for a moment bring a momentary joy or momentary happiness or momentary safety. But in the end, it will lead to destruction. So just four things that I think we seek peace in that's in this passage. By the way, this passage really is, I know I read it and some of you are like, that sounds bad. It sounds worse than... When you read it in the original language, it sounds worse because basically what they said is before you knew Christ, you were all animals, pleasing yourself, doing your whatever you want, eating whatever you want, gorging yourself on the things of this world and not worrying about who it hurt or what happened as a result. These are the four things that we chase in our lives that prevent us from having peace. The first is we seek peace in the idol of self. There is never, from my studying of history been a time in the history of the world when we are told the answer to all of our problems lie within ourselves, like we are today. Just go deep. Take the journey inside. Find out who you are and live out your truth. 
And if your kids are on TikTok, they are getting inundated with it seven hours a day every time they're on there. If you're watching Hallmark Christmas movies, I thought I'd get the TikTok crowd on the Hallmark crowd. I'd get everybody mad at me, right? <laughs> Disney movies. I mean, think about almost every Disney movie is find out who you are, what you want, what you believe, and go live that out. You want to live as part of the world when you're a mermaid and you want legs? Go do it. <laughs> go do that. Do you know in the original fairy tale she dies because she's not supposed to do that? A little fun for you, right? <laughs> Merry Christmas! <laughs> Hope the Ariel doll's under the tree this year. Because there are consequences to following your own life. I, I thought this was interesting in, in Frozen. Anybody know the movie Frozen? Anybody watch that once, 400, 500 times? Right? So there's that whole thing where it's let it go, right? And the whole thing is just free yourself. Let it be. It's always interesting to me. Nobody catches this, that when she does, what happens? Mass destruction. Everything gets frozen. The title of the movie. And we live in this world that is find out who you are. Identify as that and then live it out. Go deep and discover your, your gender for yourself and your sexual orientation and your desires and wants. Find out who you are. And when you find out who you are, find people that will validate you being that. And if someone doesn't, they're not living your truth. You don't have to listen to them. You know, for centuries people have tried that and they were called narcissistic and selfish. And today they're celebrated as higher level. Be who you are. Can I tell you something? Listen, if I, if I, if I met somebody for the first time and we went and hung out and it was a pretty good guy and we shared stories, right? I, I, we sat around, a, I don't know, a cup of coffee and just shared stories. I, I, for most people in the world, you know what? I would come out of it thinking probably, that's a pretty cool guy. That's some interesting stories. You know what I would never think? Man, he'd be a great God. And yet when we focus completely on ourselves and what we want and what we feel and who we are, what we have made is we've turned ourselves into our own God. And that ain't going to end well. Right? Sometimes we seek peace in the idol of self, trying to figure out who we are and live out that truth instead of what God has called us to do and who God is. Or we seek peace in the idol of others. We make the false assumption that if just one person or this group of people or this friend group or they, if I could just be accepted by or be in a relationship with or have them as a part of my life, it would fill my need. The Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Now in scripture, it makes it very clear that God in marriage does combined people to become one and it's a helpmate that is there but it is that not that we are to find ultimate satisfaction in our spouse if you are counting on your spouse to give you everything you need then you have made your spouse a god and that is going to disappoint you 
If you have made your friends into that. If you have made your co-workers into that. If I could just get the right person or the right situation. And so what happens is we end up driving cars we can't afford or houses we can't afford or wearing clothes that we're just trying to use to impress people. We put too much weight on what others think and as a result... One pastor said, we end up living out middle school ethics as 40-year-olds. Worried about what everyone else thinks. And in the end, it brings no real peace. Thirdly, we seek peace in the idols of the world. What I mean by this really is the philosophies or the ideas of the world. Materialism, I kind of mentioned it there a minute ago. If I, I have the right stuff, if I have the right things, if I have the right organizations, if I have the right CV, the right resume, people will like, man, that's where my life will be complete. And yet, how many times do we have to hear from people that have had absolutely everything the world affords and are still hopelessly depressed? In our world today, political ideologies have become an idol that people run to. Now, let me just say real quickly, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I am part of the kingdom of God, but I am also a citizen of Goodlettsville, Tennessee, in the United States of America, and I believe that it is my responsibility to be politically active and to vote my conscience and to tell people to vote their conscience. But if you think that a political party is the answer to the ills of the world, you have mistaken a political party for the God of the universe. We seek peace in the idols of the world. It comes back to devour us. Lastly, the last thing that we use to seek peace outside of Christ is the idol of religion. We think if I just pay enough penance, if I just do enough good works, if I just go to church enough, if I just go to synagogue enough, if I just do enough, it'll be okay. And yet we could never come close to paying back the debt that we have before Christ. And church attendance isn't going to save you. Teaching Sunday school class, being a deacon, serving on a ministry team, none of that saves you. And none of that brings you peace outside of Christ if you're doing it to puff up your own self. And so Paul in Ephesians says, that's how all of you were. And the danger is, if you're not careful, that's where you'll return to seek peace. Just to remind you, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked. The, the point that he's making to these Ephesians that have all kinds of issues, that have all kinds of problems, he's trying to correct them in the midst of that. He says, For, don't forget who you were and don't go back there. And I don't mean like lose your salvation. I mean put your trust in the things of the world. Trust in yourself. Trust in others. Trust in religion instead of believing in Christ. In which you previously walked according to the ways of the world. According to the ruler of the power of the air. That is the enemy of our souls. Satan was leading you. The spirit now working in the disobedient. The one still there. We too all. Which he identifies himself. Paul, I too previously lived among them and our fleshly desires. That's the moment when it actually means like we live like animals there. 
Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts without worrying about other people, whatever our desires were, whatever our wants were, we just did it. And we were by nature children under wrath, as others are. Don't forget, that's who you are. And this is where the Christmas story is so important. Because that's our fate without Jesus. Hopeless, living as animals, without any recourse to be saved and to find peace. And in chapter 2, verse 4, come two of the sweetest words in the entire Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy, He's got all that we can give in mercy, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive, took us out of that, and gave us hope with Christ, even though you were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Praise be to God. And what Christmas was and is, that announcement from the angel and the angels is, that salvation has come and with it comes peace. Peace with God, being able to know that our sins are forgiven and that we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive in Christ. We have salvation in Jesus Christ that has changed our position with God. Peace with others, that we can have reconciliation with others around us because of what Christ has done. We can have a different relationship with the people around us. And peace with ourselves, that we can come to understand that our identity is tied up in our flawed thinking about ourselves or in our understandings of what our feelings are, but that our identity is now in Christ. And because of that, we have been saved, we have been changed, we have been transformed, we have been made righteous before God. And because of that, we are saved and have peace. I don't know what is preventing you from having peace this Christmas. That's really the question, isn't it? Do you have peace? The first question is, are are you a believer in Jesus Christ? If you haven't been saved, if you're not a follower of Christ, then you can't have peace. Not true peace, not completeness, not wholeness. And the only way that you're ever going to get that is to accept Him as your Savior. If you're here today and you are a believer, man, life has beaten you down or you realize in your own life you've been going to other things and because of that, that peace, that wholeness, that assurance, that safety, that security that is in Christ has faded away a little bit. What is it this Christmas that you need to do to allow the Lord to work in your life and give you peace? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that in this moment, we would understand the peace that comes only from knowing you. And pray, Lord, that this Christmas season we would not seek peace in anything else but you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.